actually. But Thunderbirds two. getting back and defending very quickly. And Shepard will try his hand at a three. And he shows off his skill set as he makes it from the top of the circle. Hey everybody, it's Jake, Jacob, Eric, and Liz of CITR Sports here, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the unseated grounds of the Musqueam people. You're listening to C Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9, always keeping you up to date with the latest UBC sports news, standings, and stories. Today is the final episode of Thunderbird Eye this school year, and we have a very special episode planned as we have with us live in studio UBC Basketball and Team Canada's very own Grant Shepard. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. So you're currently finishing your first year at UBC, and you have just returned from Gold Coast, Australia, where you were a member of the Canadian men's basketball team at the Commonwealth Games. When did you find out that you're going to be called up to the national team for this tournament? Uh, I guess I found out about a month before the a month before we left for the tournament. Um, they're kind of narrowing it down to like 18, 15 guys. And then finally, once they sorted out who could go and who could not go, they kind of just picked the team and we all met in Vancouver and took off. Yeah, so did you expect that you were going to make the team? Like what was your reaction to this? Um, my coach kind of mentioned it, that I should be prepared for it. So I kind of just, I kept my training up, all my cardio up and um, just kind of, kind of like keep it in mind. I like, I was expecting like an older guy to take my position, but I guess I got the position anyway, so it's good. Yeah, and this wasn't the first time you've played on the international stage. Last summer, you were part of the team that won gold at the U19 Basketball World Cup in Egypt, which was Canada's first men's basketball gold medal at any level. Mm -hmm. So what's it been like to represent Canada at both the youth and senior level over this past year? Um, it's amazing. It kind of just shows that um, I'm showing good signs of development, uh, making the jump from like the junior to senior level. Um and that's like eventually what I want to end up on is like the actual senior men's team for Canada. So I'm kind of like, I'm just happy to see the improvement and stuff like that. Now, how much time did you and the team actually have to like train together before the tournament started? <laughs> um, well, we got there on the 28th and we started playing on the 2nd. And we had a couple exhibition games uh, here and there, but really we only had probably about like six to seven days of actual practices. So, like, all in all, it's not that long for a team to, like, really mm -hmm. come together and be the best they can be, but we d I think we did pretty well. So how how do you guys try to, like, gel really fast like you have to do for this sort of tournament? Um, I think you mostly just have to have trust in each other because, obviously, it's kind of like this team was kind of like a, I guess I would say, like, all-star for, like, U-sports. It was all, like, the kind of like the top players. So we all, like, have played against each other or with each other at some point, so kind of just have to trust that we know the plays and know where to go um and then just make use of uh, make use of whatever practice times we have now obviously there is a lot more going on at the commonwealth games than just basketball there's yeah. over six thousand athletes competing in different sports at the games 290 of which from canada so what was the atmosphere and environment like for you in gold coast um that was amazing it was it was great to be around people that like you share interests with um our team got to know like a lot of a lot of different um, athletes from different countries, like a lot of track athletes and different basketball teams from like New Zealand and um, Australia. We got kind of close with those guys. Um, yeah, it was amazing to be around all those kind of people. Yeah. So, 
like you personally, how much were you able to get out and about or how much did you sort of have to stay within the Team Canada setup? Um, I kind of had to stay around my room because I had exams to take while I was there, unfortunately, but I uh, got them out of the way. Um, so while the team was out kind of exploring the city or like going to the beach, I kind of had to study a little bit, but uh, I got to go out on the last couple of days when I was finished everything, so it was, was good. Were you the only one on the team with exams to do? No, a lot of other guys had exams, but they were online, so they could just kind of take care of it. <laughs> mine, mine were all like written in three hours, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and of course, in the middle of all this, you did find time to play some basketball. Yeah. And in the tournament, you guys got off to a bit of a slow start, finishing one and two in the group stage, but you turned it on the knockout rounds, beating England in the quarterfinals and New Zealand in the semis on a buzzer-beating three from Mamadou uh, Gay, your teammate. Mm-hmm. How were you guys able to turn it around the tournament? Like, what was your reaction when he hit that shot? That was yeah, that was crazy. Um, we actually had this kind of hurts to say we had like a 17-point lead going into like the fourth quarter, and then they just started to get rolling. Um, so New Zealand like they showed like a really good. Um, kind of like competitive hit edge, but we were lucky enough to get that shot off at the end. But uh, in terms of starting off, kind of um, shady, I guess. <laughs> um, it's kind of like this cliche thing that my coach said. It was like Japanese word um, kaizen or something like that. Uh, like you kind of just continuously get better. Like each day we we're getting better. Um, kind of gelling more. We we're kept adding in more points for offense and defense. Like at each practice, so kind of like. I don't know, we're just building off of everything we did the day before. Yeah, and uh, New Zealand had beaten you guys mm-hmm. in the group stage, like, yeah. fairly decisively by around 20 points. Mm-hmm. So how were you able to, like, meet them again in the semis and, like, have it in your mind believing, like, yeah, hey, we can hang with these guys, we can beat them this time? I think we, we kind of went into the game with, um, like, the nothing-to-lose mentality, and we just came off a good game from um, England the day before. So uh, I guess we just kind of went out, like didn't have anything to lose and then we just got started getting rolling we're like hey like let's get this done this is like a good possibility i think they were kind of, they weren't expecting it because they did beat us by 20 the day or the in the exhibition round so they weren't really expecting it mm-hmm. unfortunately you fell just short in the final against uh, australia who yeah. they really crushed their competition throughout they the did. tournament yeah their team was made up of players from the australian national basketball league so given that this Canadian team was made up of all U-sports players. What was it like for you going up against, like, real professionals in this event? Um, for me, at least, it was kind of inspiring because we were competing with these guys. We did have, like, a lot of good plays against these guys. And so it kind of just, um, like, raises my hopes for, like, how successful I could be in my career. And then a lot of the other guys felt the same way, too, because, like, in the big picture, we were just university guys going against these like five to ten year pro um pro guys that were making like hundreds of thousands of dollars a year just <laughs> playing mm-hmm. basketball so uh like I wasn't I wasn't really that upset that we lost because I knew what, who we were playing and you kind of have to respect it so yeah it was, a, mm-hmm. it was good. and you played Australia in the group stage as well mm-hmm. and so was at least the first time was it like intimidating going, going up against them um I wouldn't say intimidating it was it was, uh, I don't know, it was definitely a good experience to, like, learn from because it kind of uh, it ex- exposed us to, like, how well they know the game. They, like, honestly, it was, like, Spurs offense on steroids <laughs> to, my, to my eyes. Like, uh, 
yeah, no, I think it was just eye-opening because like, it was just crazy how um, how well they knew the game. Mm-hmm. Obviously, winning silver is a great accomplishment for the team, and you got to play alongside some great eSports players, a yeah. few of which you might have to play against next year for the Thunderbirds. Yeah. So what will you take from this experience into the summer and into your second season here at UBC? Um, I think I know how they play now, so they have to watch out. <laughs> I know I know their moves. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I know. I think I think we'll be ready to take them on, but yeah, they'll we'll we'll have to um, put our best defenders on them. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the Thunderbirds team is going to look pretty different in the fall. Uh, yeah. Connor Morgan, who was also at the the games, Phil Jalopor, Lucas Aharievic are all graduating. You, the other younger players on the team, are all going to have bigger roles. So, what can we expect to see from you next season on the court? Um, I think you're going to see a lot of like. I guess you could say fre- like freshness, but like good, like good spark. Cause we're all young. We're all um, like super energized. We like all of our rookies coming in are like, are pretty talented. So um, we have like Mason and Grant and AJ. They're all really fast guards, like good shooters. Um, we have a couple of nice bigs coming in uh, like Lincoln. Um, so I think like our, our squad's going to be young, but if not this year, or the next year, we're going to be like one of the definitely the best uh, teams in the league. Mm. Do you think we'll see any more of the the three pointers like we heard in the intro? Yeah, clip? no, I'm I'm making a goal to get my three point shooting up to like thirty forty percent. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's a lofty goal for the season. No, I can do it though. Okay, is uh is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap this up? Um, no, I think that's it. So thank you again, Grant, for, for coming here. on to the show today. And expanding on the Commonwealth Games, a total of eight current UBC athletes and 18 alumni competed in various events of the Games, with a few of them able to add to Canada's 82 gold medals. As we mentioned, the men's basketball team featuring Shepard and Connor Morgan won silver, while swimmers Marcus Thormayer and Erica Seltenreich-Hodson rounded out UBC's medal count with bronzes in the 100-meter backstroke and the 200-individual medley, respectively. There was eight Thunderbird alumni who competed for the Canadian women's field hockey team, which finished fifth, Canada's best ever finish at the Commonwealth Games. Yet nine other alumni were also parts of the men's field hockey, rugby, and swimming teams, while swimmers Yuri Kissel and Josiah Binema, field hockey defender Gordon Johnson, and rugby fullback Andrew Coe were the other current Thunderbird athletes at the Games. And moving from the Commonwealth Games back to UBC, we have some recruitment news for men's basketball. As on Tuesday, it was announced that 17-year-old guard Jack Cruz Dumont has committed to UBC. He is a Vancouver native and is actually a second-generation Thunderbird. On both sides. Yeah, as both his mother, Trixie Cruz, and his late father, John Dumont, both played basketball for UBC a little over 20 years ago. Cruz Dumont, 6'3", plays primarily point guard, although he's effective off the ball as well, coming off his senior season where he averaged over 25 points a game for Vancouver College, and he won the Lower Mainland MVP award, receiving all-star nod at the Provincial High School Championship Tournament as well. Yeah, and uh, he's got two younger brothers as well who also look like they could be uh, decent basketball prospects, and maybe we'll see them suit up for the Thunderbirds in, in years to come. Yeah, and now we can move something to softball. Thunderbirds traveled south to Oregon last weekend, first compete against Powerhouse Eastern Oregon on Friday and Saturday, where the birds moving to tie with the College of Idaho for the sixth and final CCC postseason playoff berth. Following that, they then traveled to 
Cadwell, Idaho, where they split, split the doubleheader games with overall NAI number 13 ranked Corbin Warriors. Yeah, uh, Corbin actually from Salem, Oregon. Um, there was a bit of a rescheduling thing, and somehow they ended up an eight-hour drive away in, uh, in Caldwell, Caldwell, in Caldwell Idaho. Idaho, home of the Yotes, um, who were neither of the teams that the Thunderbirds played at the weekend. It, so it just seemed to- that they had to be an NAIA connection because it doesn't make sense that there's not another open softball oh, regulation to, like, field. Southern Oregon or something that's within a little it, closer. Right, just to go all the way eight hours out of the way. We're not really sure why that happened, but nevertheless, um, yeah. a pretty good weekend for the Thunderbirds. Yeah, it was a good weekend for the team. They took down host Eastern Oregon 4-3 and 11-5. That second game is a nine innings match, extra innings, before falling in the series finale three to one at Peggy Anderson Field in Lagrande, Oregon. In the first game, the Thunderbirds grabbed a two one lead in the third. Claire Eccles scored a two out run on an error by EOU's first baseman. The host then responded with a two out home run by Bobby Birch. Eastern Oregon held the lead three to two until UBC tacked on another two runs in the sixth on a two RBI single by Cindy Brown. The Mountaineers, however, opened the bottom of the sixth with back-to-back singles. However, pitcher Emma Tucson uh, got Eastern Oregon's Madison Brar to hit into a double play. And although an, uh, Eastern Oregon was able to tack on another run in the bottom of the sixth, but they still failed to find that tying run to get them to win that game. Yeah, and for game two, the birds were able to maintain their momentum as the Thunderbirds overcame a five-run deficit to force extra innings. Before earning the 11-5 triumph in night in game two, the Mountaineers took control in the beginning by taking a 5-0 lead in a four-run fifth inning. However, UBC put up four runs in the top of the seventh after having sacked score one to tie the game at 5-5. Both teams remained scoreless until the ninth inning when UBC took control of the game with six runs in the inning. Though Thunderbirds had just three hits, but it were, they were held by three um, Eastern Oregon airs. Yeah, and um, not the case in the last game in terms of their um, success, obviously. Um, only one run, um, courtesy of the catcher, Ashley Jacob, who singled to second and scored uh, Michelle Lamore. Mountaineers answered with a two-RBI signal, um, and that was uh, already it. They didn't need any more, and they would score another run on a wild pitch um, after putting on a pinch runner. On Sunday against Corbin, Corbin opened the game with three runs in game one at the top of the fourth inning, but the Thunderbirds immediately responded in the bottom half with a few runs too. Later on, Thunderbirds tied the game at 3-3 in the bottom of the sixth thanks to a single by Francis Ramney, brought home Eccles. UBC then tagged on a walk-off in the bottom of the 11th to win 4-3. Tucson threw 161 pitches in the game and was once again brilliant when the stakes were at their highest, Tucson also broke her own school record, which I'm pretty sure she set two yeah. weeks prior. Pre- like, I think the previous week. The, the previous to, week yeah. uh, for the most innings pitched in a single game by throwing for 11 straight. And in softball, it's actually only seven for the regulation game. They went four extra innings. And that was one more than her previous benchmark. <laughs> and then game two saw Corbin unfortunately jump in front and score a run in the first and second innings on RBI singles. They then tacked on five in the uh, following innings to ride Allie Crakes into this, in the circle to a nice and quick victory for Corbin. Final 7-0 UBC fell. So up next, the softball team will host Northwest University Eagles in doubleheaders on Friday at 1.30 and Saturday at 11 at Softball City in Surrey. They're 
Hanging it on right at the edge to a playoff spot right now. so Which we really didn't expect. They yeah. sort of started off quite similarly to the baseball, to baseball team. baseball team, right. Started off to a lesser real... Degree, though, for coming back. Yeah, well, I mean, because they, they started off real slow, not as slow as UBC, uh, as the, the um, baseball team. But the baseball team has come back with a lot more of A lot more a, fervor, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, softball team could have playoffs in there as well. Maybe. We're going to take a quick break for ads and PSAs. Again, thanking Grant Shepard for coming in today. Great interview by Jake. And we'll be right back to you guys in a few minutes. The world is a better place because of Kim Kardashian's empire, Cheetos, fleece material, and Discorder. It's a local independent music magazine from CITR. Which means that we can print whatever we heckin' want. Album and live show reviews, interviews with artists, and sweet illustrations grace our pages. And even you, listener, can contribute. Just visit citr.ca backslash discorder backslash contribute. You can grab it around town or read it at discorder.ca. Forever local and forever free. Sequential Circus has been Vancouver's premier showcase of live electronic music, art, and performance for over a decade. Strap on your dancing shoes and join us for Sequential Circus 22 on Saturday, April 21st at Open Studios. Musical performances by 1800 Height Street, Amos Hertzman, Lace, MAAM, and Quest, visuals by Dermot Glennon, Pixel Pusher, and Ian Ross, and aerial hoop performance by Celine. Tickets are $20. Get more information at sequentialcircus.ca. So uh, last weekend, we did something very fun. Uh, we brought you some live baseball on CITR, and it was one of the honestly one of the best experiences I've had since, uh, since becoming a member of CITR. Uh, that was me and Jacob. Uh, Jacob on the play-by-play. I was um, the Pat Tabler. Color man. I was the Pat Tabler to your Buck <laughs> Martinez. Um, and we had a blast, and it was a great— And uh, the Thunderbirds were able to grab three Thunderbirds wins. Thunderbirds grabbed three of, of, uh, three of four. A great weekend. Um, you know, had some, some decent crowd turnout, you know. Um, first game of the series, regular pitchers duel, at least in the early going. Um, Niall Windler had a great game, perfect through, uh, perfect through four actually, and a no hitter through five. Uh, Corbin's Chris Jackson was also very good. He uh, kept the game scoreless until the bottom of the fourth. Uh, but just wow, really good pitching. All yeah, series. on both sides, we saw Windler really deal. I think he had nine strikeouts on the day. He did, yeah. And UBC's pitching throughout this series. Fantastic. Well, right up the, until that final with game. With the exception of game mm-hmm. four, but right. we'll get to that. But jumping ahead to the bottom of the six in this first game, a pair of fielding errors allowed Austin Butler and Jackson Valk to score. With the bases still loaded, it was Anthony Cusati, friend of the show, who delivered his second and third RBIs of the game to put the birds up by four. They would add a pair of insurance runs, take the game eight to two, start the series off right. And keep that momentum going from what was before the series, I believe, 11-2 and streak. That first game pushed it to 12-2. and And then by the time Game 2 rolled around, they ended up winning as well, 13-2 and at this point. It seemed kind of like a rerun, actually, of the first game as reliever um, Jack Caswell got his first start of the season against going up against Corbin's Ryland Luchuk. Yeah, Thunderbirds have had a lot of... Um success lately with putting relievers in the starting position. I mean, we'll we talk about Alan. As we saw from Braden Alleman, uh both last weekend against Lewis Clark and this week um, in the third game of this. But in the second game, uh, Caswell 
sort of lost it around the fifth inning, which, I mean, he's a reliever. He was great through four. Great through four. Sort of the wheels came off a bit in the fifth inning. Uh, balked home the tying run and then had a wild pitch that let the go-ahead run. It was a bit of a bit of a theme this weekend. Box? The past weekend, excuse me. Yeah, for UBC. A lot of box and a lot of mental errors in that fourth there game. There was a lot of weird stuff that happened this weekend. There was the, the um, I think it was Drew Loera of the Corbin Warriors just being Butler in the head trying to make a throw to second. Which allowed UBC to actually win that game yeah, because of was, a freak accident play and, yeah, and just, umpire interference later called. Yeah, it was a lo- it was a weird series, but I'm sure the Thunderbirds will take it. Um, uh, there, so um, with that uh, couple of weird runs scored on the Bach and then the wild pitch, uh, UBC instantly responded, put up three. Uh, Valk uh, drove home Kuzadi on a single, and then John Whaley, who what a weekend John Whaley had, both offensively and defensively. Um, he hit a two RBI double, restored the lead at four two. And then in the second half of the game, Thunderbirds just kept that momentum going. They were able to tack on another six, taking Game Two at a huge ten to three final. Yeah, Game Three was a lot closer though, behind the amazing pitching performance of Braden Elman, one of the finest pitching performances I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he got the nod his first start was against Lewis Clark, did great, so he got another one, and he did not disappoint, setting the new season high in the entire CCC for single-game strikeouts with 14. And actually, that was one off the mark of being UBC's ever highest strikeout count. And do you, who, who has that? Who has that Mr. Record? Jeff Francis. Mr. Jeff Francis, ex-Blue ex-Cincinnati Red, ex-a lot of things, uh, great MLB Who was at the game? He was at the Jeff game. Francis, he checked Santa out. Santa Ono threw out the first pitch in game three. Yeah, and a bunch of like the, because, it was the opening director. day. It was opening day on well, Sunday. Well, quote-unquote opening day. They, they opened there was like the grand official opening of the stadium, you know, 14 games And then, of course, in. the additional um, baseball batting area, which is, I believe, now called Rose Indoor Training Facility. Yeah, we actually got to check that out. It was It's quite nice in there. Um, very high tech. Very high tech, very modern uh, baseball training facility. Um, obviously, UBC trying to establish itself as the number one baseball program in Canada, and I'd say they're doing a pretty good job right now. Mm-hmm. On it their was, way. It was great timing for Ailman with uh, all the ceremony, Francis. He pitched all nine innings in this one, coming up short of a complete game shutout with, as he gave up one earned run in the top of the eighth when Kazadi failed to block a ball, scored Josh Ebert, but all, all you could ask for of uh, pitching performance from Ailman. Incredible job by him. And John Whaley offensively had the standout game for the Thunderbirds. He scored all three of UBC's runs, a stand-up double in the bottom of the second from Austin Butler, drove him home after he reached on a stand-up two-bagger of his own. And then after doubling for the second time in the fourth, Nolan Weger's single brought him home around to score. Yeah, and with the lead cut to one in the bottom of the eighth at that, after that aforementioned uh, pass ball on Kuzadi, uh, Whaley launched a solo dinger, first home run of the series. And it was a bomb. It, he, he put a charge in it, um, put the birds back up by two. That is how the score would remain, 3-1 as the birds then won the series. It was, it was, um, they had another game to go, but obviously winning the first three. A quick uh, 3-0 jump here against... Yeah. Uh, against Corbin, who who is a strong offense. So Thunderbird pitching did an incredible job. They shut down Andrew Axemaker. They closed down a lot of the lineup that had previously had success. We saw Ben Ross have really struggled ben over Ross. the weekend. The I DH don't for the Corbin, going on Corbin Warriors struck out 10 times over the four games. <laughs> yeah. and not, I mean, not a great weekend. Not only did he not strike out, I don't think he got a single hit the entire week. He, d- or he, he got didn't. one hit? He walked. He walked. Okay, that so he got, he got he got on, on base. base once. Yeah, mm-hmm. and did not get a but hit. But the heart of their order is what struggled and That's allowed your the Thunderbirds. Designated hitter, though. Right, it allowed Thunderbirds to find a lot of success because of their great pitching. I don't think it was a lack on Corbin's part. I think the Thunderbirds were that dominant on the mound. I mean, yeah, but it's got to say something about Ben Ross that he didn't get anything, even on you know the right. even on Finnegan Duffield or <laughs> right against a single player, sure. But I think from the overall team's perspective, I would say Thunderbirds 
excelled rather than Corbin mm-hmm. dropping the ball. And this was actually a big series for them to win because it didn't officially clinch for them. They would have needed the sweep to do that, and they um, did not get the fourth game. Um, but with a 3-1 series win, their magic number is one. So they only need either one Corbin loss or one UBC win in order to clinch playoffs, which, as as we mentioned, that did not seem like it would be the case um, just a couple months ago. Yeah, and in that game four uh, that, that you mentioned... They'd already won the series. They put uh, Finnegan Duffield, the rookie pitcher who's been struggling uh, this season, they put him on the mound. Corbin, unfortunately, jumped out to an early 4-0 lead, carved out in the second inning after a three-run home run from Ethan Bragg. Yeah, we saw an appearance from Pat Vandenbrink, um, who I would say is probably the UBC Thunderbirds star reliever, um, probably their most effective guy. Um, and he was solid through an inning and a bit, um, but uh, allowed just the one RBI single from, again, Ethan Bragg um, to sort of, you know, didn't really help with the whole damage, and uh, it got worse. And exactly. In the fifth inning, the Warriors were able to put up a five spot on Anthony Olsen, who made a relief appearance as he played in the middle infield earlier in the series. It was a bit of a questionable call. I remember we were talking about this live on air, whether to put in Olsen, or they had a few other relievers that they really hadn't utilized yet in the game. However... Didn't, like I said, no avail for the Thunderbirds here. Allowed another five. Corbin went on to score another four more on the second reliever, Graham Bailey, in just his third appearance of the year. Final score in this one, 13-1, to UBC with the loss. Well, I mean, they sort of just, like, took it on the chin after beating up on Corbin for three straight games. <laughs> it seemed like they almost rolled over after that yeah, second inning. Yeah, they were like, we're done. Whatever. Do what, you, <laughs> do what you want. We're going to throw Duffield out there. And, I mean, no disrespect to Duffield. I think he has the stuff. Because we saw a good movement on a lot of his pitches. He just needs to work on his control. He's going to be one of the main pieces moving forward to next year as he's one of the younger players on the team. Of course. On, on Saturday, there was actually a big ceremony for like all of the leaving players, and I was so surprised. There's a lot of leaving players, and there's a lot of starters that I are I believe gone. there was t- 8 to 10 seniors graduating from that UBC team. There were a lot, and so many so big pieces of the team. Like Alleman, Kuzadi. Uh, Robinson, I believe. Robinson, yeah, all these just guys graduated. Huge, huge part members of the of order. Team. Yeah, right? and hopefully, hopefully they'll be able to make some noise in their final year, though, as playoffs loom. Uh, the birds uh, improved to eight and ten, as I mentioned, magic number of one. They have the weekend off, um, and they will visit Oregon Tech on the weekend of the twenty eighth to close out the season. So, with all the sports wrapped up, we had Grant Shepard in here earlier. This is our final episode, and with that in mind, I think we need to take a bit of a look back at this past school year, as there's been incredible individual and team UBC athletic performances on the side of men and women's volleyball. There was after 35 aching years, UBC men's volleyball now sits back atop Canada with a U sports gold medal and the women's team as well, who were really in a bit of a transition here. They still managed to pull off a U sports bronze on the back of rookie sensation Kira Van Rijk. And of course, senior Alessandra Gentile. Yeah. uh, Men's and women's golf, obviously Kat Kennedy just been uh, phenomenal for this uh, women's golf team um, actually won the award for outstanding fema- uh, UBC female athlete um, men's golf did have uh, men's golf has not been quite as good as women's golf but they did manage to get first place at the Concordia Oregon Invitational softball and baseball as you mentioned earlier in the show Emma Tucson broke her own record for most innings pitched in a single game by throwing for 11 161 pitches softball charging for a playoff spot right now on the baseball side they've also charged for a playoff spot and seem to have all but secured it at this point. So hopefully have some postseason success on the the baseball and softball diamonds. Yeah, and for swimming and rowing, as we mentioned before, the Commonwealth Games medalist record set and a national title upheld. These start of the swimming are Erica's... Selton. 
Seltzen Ray Clarkson, that is. <laughs> and uh, Marcus Tomer. At Eric Assault on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Yuri Kirsol and Emily Overholt. The men's rowing team repeated as Canadian rowing champions, while the women's team played third overall. Yeah, so those swimmers, Erica Seltzer-Ray-Kodgson, Marcus Thormeyer, Yuri Kissel, and Emily Overholt, all super big stars. Incredible job by them all year. What a swimming team we have here. And they, they put, uh, I believe it was seltzer ray Kodgson and Marcus Thormeyer who got medals at the Commonwealth Games they as well. They did. They both uh, received bronze medals, so congrats to them. In addition to swimming and rowing, if you look over at rugby, they won the inaugural Canadian University Men's Rugby Championship, as well as for the fifth straight year, dominating at the World Cup, beating the uh, Cal Berkeley School. And football, on the other side, had a defense for the ages. Their offense was on and off at times. Oh my God, I've but just they were able to about j- that Nico DeFont. It feels right, like it's they so fell just ago. short in that Hardy Cup oh, to that Calgary. Was the worst. 59-yard field goal, Nico DeFonte, the kicker of the dinos forever immortalized still second place finish in Mm -hmm. canada west and i believe there was around five different all-stars from that football team on the track ubc men's track and field ubc's men's track and field team won the sport bc team of the year heather betts finished second in women's heptathlon and in cross country the women's and men's team swept the naia cross country titles kieran lum and john gay both dominated once again and next year, the UBC cross-country teams will officially be part of Canada West. Nice. Um, looking over at the men's and women's hockey, obviously women seem pretty good all season long. Uh, men's team had a rough start, but they came back in a big way, just like the UBC Thunderbirds did um, in their baseball um, team, as we've seen uh, so far. Um, there was that weird mix-up with the ineligible player for Calgary, and it just sort of skyrocketed them. They made the playoffs. Um, great season. Um, and again, uh, we got to t- talk to Matt Hewitt um, a couple of months ago. Um, that's still on CATR.ca if you want to check that interview out. Matt Hewitt, now a member of the CBR Braves of the Australian Hockey League. The women's hockey team as well. They made it all the way to the semis. Yeah, that was rough. Yeah, because they, they seemed like they had such a strong team. Tardif and all those different players. Yeah. Uh, women's field hockey, however, <laughs> that's that's the dynasty here. <laughs> the Seven dynasty. straight consecutive national champions at the McRae Cup. There's not much else to say for them. Women's and men's basketball, this was tricky because just being edged out by the Dinos in the semifinals, the men's team and Connor Morgan left the season, I think, a bit earlier than they expected. Mm-hmm. But as we were talking to Grant Shepard, it seems like there's a lot of new promise coming up in the in the next couple of years for that team. The women's team, not quite as much uh, statistical promise. However, Keelan Filowich and Madison Penn, if they're able to r- ride this team uh, as the leaders, I think they really have a good shot at turning around for next season. Yeah, basically the whole team is coming back. So one more year better, hopefully, for them. Yeah, and talking about soccer, for the men's side, they won the fourth play finish in the youth sports with rookie sensation Victory Shambusho, as we just invited um, a few weeks ago, ready to step forward now into a potential leadership position. And for the women's side, it was Jessica Dondali, the T-Birds women's team to a Net Canada West bronze medal. On top of that, he, she was also being named as the U Sports Women's Soccer Player of the Year with 14 goals and 20 points in her third and final All-Star season. And with that... It's over. This is it for the year. <laughs> We're gone. Thank you forever. all so much for tuning in to CITR 101.9. We're not gone forever. Don't, don't, li- don't, <laughs> for, lie, to don't lie to the nice listeners. For the final Jake. episode of Thunderbird Eye of the 2017-2018 mm-hmm. school year, <laughs> as summertime is approaching, both on air and on social media, we will be a bit quieter. That being said... We are coming back, Jake. 
<laughs> with more content than ever starting in next September. Really hoping to do a lot more interviews, get more people in the booth. Thank you all again for listening in. The upcoming show will be Shoes on a Wire hosted by Madeline Taylor. For the final time this school year, this has been Thunderbird Eye hosted by Jake McGrail, Eric Thompson, Liz Wang, and myself, Jacob Ayer. Enjoy the upcoming show and have a great rest of your summer.